704. Buckle up, guys. Huge show on tap for you tonight. It's time for Iron Sports 95.9. The true oldies channel, Mike and Sean. We got you covered as well. So much to talk about, guys. I had a great weekend on my couch watching <laughs> golf. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, we also want to know where Ira's been. It's always a highlight on this show, and Ira had a very, very busy weekend as well. But first and foremost, we do have a special guest. It's Fran Dunphy. He's the coach at Temple. He's on the line with us. Uh, three-time Atlantic 10 tournament champ, two-time Atlantic 10 regular season champ, American Conference regular season champ. Fran, thank you so much for joining us today. We know your time is uh, precious, so we, we appreciate it. My pleasure. Anything for Ira Kaufman. <laughs> Anything for Ira Kaufman. I- Ira's got a bunch of questions for you, but but first, Fran, you know you played Cincinnati, you played Wichita State, Villanova. What's your thoughts on their program, and who do you see going the farthest? Well, first of all, all three have phenomenal programs. Uh, right here in Philadelphia, Coach Wright's last five years have been just extraordinary. Uh, Actually, I think the last four years they've won 30-plus games, which is just incredible. And I think during that time they haven't lost two games in a row. So it's uh, it's quite remarkable. They've done a great job. Uh, Cincinnati has been terrific. They they really defend you. They, uh, they play hard. They rebound. They do all the things they need to do to get victories. And uh, so we're grateful for the opportunity to play those guys and we had a chance to get them at home this year and we we couldn't do it didn't happen for us and then uh, Wichita has a terrific program as well we did beat them once of the three times that we played them and but I how far they're all going to go well I hope they all go a nice piece and they play very very well Uh, and but I'm probably the worst guy to predict in this situation. <laughs> Coach, you're in the American Conference now, and uh, um, again, once again, thank you so much for coming on today and talking to us, but the uh, South Florida and UCF, two major Florida schools are, are in it, and we're, of course, broadcasting live from West Palm Beach. Um, what do you see in terms of the conference? I mean, it's spread out from Houston to Florida up to where you're at, um, but it's so many quality programs, including Memphis. We could go down the entire list. What was it like this year playing the gauntlet of teams in the in, in the American Conference? Well, the last couple of years, are they've been very, very good. It's uh, And we are, you're right, we're spread out. We now have six central time zone teams and six eastern time zone teams. So uh, there's a lot of travel involved. We actually took a bus up to Connecticut a couple of weeks ago, and it was, it was just nice to be on a long bus ride and, and not have to get on a plane and and oftentimes take your chances of a delay here or there and so it's uh it is spread out the distance is not easy but the, the quality of teams is so terrific and coaches and programs that uh, it's a it's a terrific terrific league and gives you every challenge you could possibly want every night out is is a is a difficult challenge um you know, certainly you, um, the, the work you did at University of Pennsylvania, now you're at Temple for the last uh, 12 years. It's been amazing. I mean, the amount of tournament champ- how many times you've been in the NCAA tournament. 
tell let's talk a little about Temple. Talk about you know in terms of I've been been in senior facilities. They're absolutely amazing. You're you know you're the all time winningest Ivy uh, Big Five coach in history. So tell me a little about Temple. I know you're going to getting ready for play Penn State in the NIT, but you know sort of a little bit about your program, your facilities, those type of things you have there. Well, I, I think we have first-rate facilities. We have a terrific uh, basketball arena, the Leacora Center, seats over 10,000 people, and it's a really nice venue. We have a practice facility that was uh, built for us a number of years back, and um, it's, a, it's a great practice facility. The women also have their own practice facility, so we don't have to share it with anybody, and nor do they have to share their practice facility with anybody. We have nice locker rooms in the practice area. Uh, we have, you know, a, an administration that supports basketball and, and all of the sports. So we're, we're a very blessed group, and uh, we are grateful for our good fortune to be uh, at Temple University and, and what the university is doing on its own as well in the academic world and in the research world and, uh, and just getting bigger and better and uh, the value of the education is outstanding. So the, the, the honest answer to that is, Ira, we lack for nothing at this point. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great. I, I worked for Coach Dumphy. I was undergraduate assistant when I was at Penn. And uh, certainly he's not only a great coach, He's a great leader, a great person, uh, everything, amazing. And I've in my business world, I've run had many businesses, and I've always thought back at the lessons, and I've actually you know, consulted Coach Dumphy about questions about how to deal with certain things. And I think the one thing, I think this it translates throughout business sector, education, politics, everything, is I think your greatest ability is to get people who have egos to put their egos aside and work together as a team. And I would just like if you could talk for like a minute on how you do that, because I think even if you don't know anything about sports, I think anyone who works at any type of organization, that's everybody comes in with their own agenda, with their own egos. And how do you get everyone to put those egos and to become you know, a great team? Well, I appreciate your words, Ira. I don't, I don't know how effective I am some, sometimes. I think really when we have had our best teams and we've gotten our, the, the group to buy into the team concept rather than anything individually, I think the quality of leadership from within the group, from really on the team itself, has been exceptional. And I think that's really where a coach, a leader, a CEO of any sort if you can get the leadership coming from the the employees, from the team itself, rather than the leader, then you are that much further ahead of the game uh, because they are in the trenches every day doing the actual work. Now, do you need good leadership? You certainly do. And, and as a coach or, a, again, a CEO or president, you have to – I think you really have to – Make sure that you are looking at your personnel as best you possibly can and identifying those leaders within the group and really getting close to them, getting them to understand that without their buy-in, then it's likely that the rest of the group is not going to do it. So when the leadership has fallen to just me, I think we've had less effective teams. But when the leadership is falling to the people within the group, uh, a la your captains or uh, you know, your best player, if your best player is the hardest worker, well, you're, you're in pretty good shape. So I think it's all those kinds of things that you're constantly getting uh, to, to try to get out of your group each and every year. 
Coach Fran Dunphy from Temple, I want to thank you so much for popping by Iron Sports. You're always welcome here. It's 712. I'm Mike Balsamo alongside Sean LaGrega. Guys, this was just absolutely a ridiculous weekend. The NFL has a way of making people talk about it and excited about it when nothing's going on. We're months away from football, and all I could think about, my phone's blowing up all weekend with text, this guy's moving here, this happened. We're going to talk NFL and the ramifications that this will have on the NFL draft. Mike Isolino pops by at 7.30. He's the coach at Robert Morris. We'll talk some NCAA with him. Also, Tiger Woods, got to hand it to you guys. You both said two weeks ago, this guy's back, and I think it's safe to say you were, mm. both, you were both correct. We'll get to that in just a minute. Um... I wrote, so first and foremost, where have you been? Well, college basketball. Yeah. And uh, certainly the ACC tournament in Barclays. It's nice to go up to New York and be able to enjoy games up there. Uh, it's a different atmosphere than going to Charlotte or Greensboro. Or, mm-hmm. But uh, amazing. I saw the semifinals of the ACC tournament on fr- um, Friday night and the championship game on Saturday. And then on Sunday, went to the Bluster and saw the Ivy League championship. <laughs> so it was very, very cool. You are such an Ivy League guy. That it, it makes sense that you'd be at the Ivy League uh, Ivy League championship, Syrah. Shawnee, what about you? What did you get into this weekend? Uh, just watched some Tiger, obviously. Um, I thought it was phenomenal. You had the uh, the close of all the uh, um, you know tournaments, conference tournaments, uh, unbelievable games in the uh, ACC. Um, I did. I, I caught the end of uh, Houston versus Cincinnati, which was phenomenal game. So just really gearing up for the tournament. Really excited. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, Ira. Let's go back to and talk about a little bit about what you did. There's always going to be the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. That's not going anywhere. You're always going to have Middle Tennessee State versus Bowling Green. Epic rivalries that everyone talks about. Duke and North Carolina, this might be the best rivalry in sports, Ira. What do you think? It is. I mean, I, I, Hands I, I, down? I think people say Michigan-Ohio State. I yeah. think that's the it's one. It's a big one. Yeah. And I think that, but I, the fact that Duke and Carolina are the premier programs and have been the premier programs for decades. Sean and I are in our mid-30s. They've never had bad teams. And, in the, that entire time. <laughs> and they are located a few miles from each other to the point where in the same uh, complexes, apartment complexes, the Duke players and the Carolina players, you might think they hate each other. Yeah, no, they all live together. Yeah, they're all friends. <laughs> so it is, at, and then you have the university so intertwined um, to have two, and one's private, one's private public Mm -hmm. different types it's just and they both play in iconic buildings the dean dome and in cameron indoor it's clear to me and and they show the stats they've almost had if you add the entire series up they've scored the exact same number of points it's amazing of course it is how is cameron indoor i've never been to either either facility but it looks phenomenal on tv um cameron and the palestra which i was both at were designed by the same architect and built around the exact same time and they're both 7500 8000 seat one story uh uh one one there's not like a levels yeah and yeah. low ceilings low. and that keeps the low ceilings keeps it keeps it loud every seat is a good seat you're like oh i got a bad there's no bad seat mm-hmm. i don't want to hear anyone say you went to Balestra and you went to cameron <laughs> because you can see the game and it's perfect and sometimes it's better to sit up high because you get the feel, feel. of the atmosphere yeah. but i think it's the noise both those arenas oh, are so loud yeah. it so did, well loud. that's how it seems and i didn't realize the, the roof being low that would definitely it's gonna kind of, you know it's just yeah. more more going on sean what about you duke nc best rivalry in sports well i i think it's it also depends Depends on like what's your sport. I think you know if you're a baseball guy and it's Yankee Sox or Cubs Cardinals. I mean, it, it, it really depends on what your what your flavor is. You, you, even even Giants versus Dodgers. Go to college football. Go tell a Bama fan that Duke Carolina.
Carolina who expect <laughs> care less that Bama Auburn isn't you know yeah. the the best rivalry in sports. So um, is it up there? One hundred percent. I mean, even when they're having down years, which I mean they're never really having down years, but they're let's say they're not both ranked in the top <laughs> ten or something. Top 10. They're in the teens <laughs> or the twenties. You know. You know when Duke Carolina plays, those are going to be two of the best games you're going to watch all year. So when it comes to college basketball, it is the premier rivalry in college basketball. That's for sure. And you got to put it up there, you know, in the top five in, in all of all of sports. But uh, if it, when it comes to this arena, yeah, I, I would definitely say college basketball has got to be Duke Carolina. It I, has to be. I, if we're not familiar with what happened at the ACC championships, why don't you fill us in? <laughs> well, what happened is that Duke did not uh, seal the, you know, they did not complete the task at hand. <laughs> but last year, as depressed as I was, last year, um, Duke beat North Carolina, won yeah. the ACC title, and North Carolina ended up winning the title. So winning the national championship. Uh, whether Duke with that extra day of rest, but the problems that Duke had in that game concern me. I mean, I certainly saw Virginia Clemson. Clemson came in with a lot of fire, but uh, Virginia won the first game yeah. and just wears them down. I mean, it yeah. was the first time I've seen Virginia uh, in person, and I'm like, what are they? What do they do so well on defense? Why is Virginia so good? <laughs> and I'll say this: they fight around picks. They are not lazy oh, on defense. No. If you're setting a pick, there you got. And if you set a lazy pick, there, it means nothing to them. Mm -hmm. They fight around their picks. They rebound well. They're not tall. They're not big. They're but they rebound so well. And yeah. I think they're extremely aggressive. They trap when they have. They help out when someone gets beat. They just talk team defense. I mean, they yeah. are the perfect. If you're learning how to play basketball and want to show someone, just go watch, watch Virginia. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it comes down to. And watch I brings up, women. Yeah, and 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 Ira brings up good points here, right? So you know, I went and looking because I'm like. Okay, Virginia finishes unanimous number one. All right, so let's let's break this down because I'm still trying to wrap my head around, you know, where there's not even a clear-cut guy that could even go in the second round of the NBA draft. They, they, they score 67 points a game. That's tied for 309th in the country. They average 32 <laughs> rebounds, which is 312th in the country. Uh, assists per game, 13 assists per game. That's 166. Guess what? 53 points allowed, number one in the country. So when we look it at Virginia and we say, how are they so good? It's that defense. Coach Bennett, you know, has those players where all year, hey, there's no NBA talent. You guys aren't that good. You're not that good. You're not that good. The ACC is stacked this year. Duke is stacked. Um, you know, UNC's UNC. You have these teams. And guess what? Virginia just bogs down and shuts it down on defense. And, I mean, they, they look – I can't say they're the favorites to win it all, but that defense, I mean, if I'm going up against Virginia, I, I'm, I'm definitely frightened uh, to a, go against that, that defense. It's like a thing like the Kansas City Royals when they won the World Series two years ago. You look at this – who's the best guy on the Royals? Yeah. <laughs> they're just all players that show up to play every night. They That's get it. timely hits, and they, they do their jobs. Like yeah. I was just talking about Duke, you know, not getting doing the task at hand. Ira, this brings me to my next question, though. Duke is stacked. With NBA talent. You guys are every year. Virginia has none. I, I mean, you don't think they, they'll even get a second-round pick. So how do you think they, they're able to, to pull off all these wins? Well, Hall, Guy, and Jerome are the three guards. And certainly when you have great guards like they do, they yeah. shoot through all threes, they handle the ball. Against when they when they beat UNC in the championship game, which was uh, anticlimactic for me, but it was exciting to be there for that game. But uh, and and they first of all they also get the lead. They stay up and they get the lead. They're almost you're always battling back to try to be. And you and when you get close, Virginia just pulls away. Yeah. And um, but Virginia only had. Virginia only had four uh, turnovers in the entire. And it was and, and that's a great way to win. Yes. <laughs> um, let's shift gears. You went to the Ivy League championships after that. The NBA is 
totally not what the NBA was 20 years ago. The NBA is a shooting league. They don't play defense. It's not basketball <laughs> of the 90s with uh, you know Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley out there. Penn versus Harvard, though, that was an old-school basketball game, wasn't it, Ira? Well, I... I want to jump back to UNC Duke for one second. Is that what I liked? When I want to compare them to the games. Both teams had size. UNC and Duke had this size. Duke is playing zone. UNC is working the ball inside. I don't like everyone. I don't like the Houston Rockets offense. I don't like the whole, we're going to go down and shoot threes. Because you're seeing so much in that game. Yeah. Actually, UNC Duke was, we're going to throw to Bagley. You know, we're going to throw to Carter. Inside, inside. yeah. And and they, I mean, the and, whole game was inside. It was crazy. And May inside. I mean, it was, it was both teams yeah. were working the ball, throwing inside. And Duke was down. And, 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 and Duke's problem was point guard play. Uh, Trayvon Duvall, he was 0 for 6. Yeah. Zero points. Played 30 minutes with five turnovers. Good, yeah. And you can't have that as your no. as the number one point guard in the country coming into as a freshman year. He had to play better. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, the problem with Duke has been when they win the national championships, they've had they're a point guard driven team, whether Coach K coaches that way or how it is Bobby Hurley, Tommy Amaker, Jay Williams, Nolan Smith, Tyus Jones, these guys, Amaker, to win the national championship, but they went to the game. But that when they don't have the star point guards, when they had Grant Hill, which was the greatest college basketball player, they, they went to the championship game and lost to Arkansas because Chris Collins was their point guard. Yeah. And they when they don't have that great mm-hmm. part, it, it just destroys the entire team. Yeah. And that's what they need. I mean, Duvall played, he's inconsistent. When he plays well, and it's you, great. you've watched him all year because, I mean, he was, it was, he's going to Duke. I mean, I heard about this kid in high school. I mean, how could you not? Five star kid, uh, best, you know, point guard uh, to, to come out um, this year. I feel like all year it's been like a confidence issue. And I want to take, you know, because I know you watch every single game, but that's what I feel with it. It's like he'll have a good game and then he regresses. It's a good game and then he regresses and then he doesn't, you know, Coach K will, you know, bury him on the bench. He won't get in that much. And it's like, to me, it's like I feel he he feels like he's damaged in certain ways. Do you see that yeah, reflected in his game? Tatum, uh, Carter, Bagley, Grayson Allen, those four have played 30 some minutes. I mean, every game. Every yeah. Game. Duvall has been on the bench, come back. He's back and forth. That's what and I mean. And I don't know if Coach Hayes trying to motivate him the right way, but they, but Grayson Allen can't run the point. Yeah. I mean, it just he's not. He he needs to shoot. I mean, Duke was down. I mean, the great thing about this game, it was amazing. They were down sixteen with five and a half minutes to go, yeah. and they had two shots to tie the game. Crazy. Yeah, they came one was back. Grayson went and they had called for a, a, a charge, <laughs> and the other was that shot at the end was an open right. shot for a three. So they really had a chance to steal that game. Um, it gives me comfort that I mean Tatum played <laughs> great. I mean they have great players, but. Duvall, it all goes around with Duvall. If Duvall plays well, Duke is going to win the National Championship. Exactly. 722, it's Ira on Sports 95.9, the true oldies channel. Mike and Sean were here as well. Mike Isolino, coach at Robert Morris, joins us in just about eight minutes. We're going to get a lot more into the double N- uh, NCAA tournament. It's one of my favorite times of the year, guys. Um, okay, so then after the ACAA, uh, ACC championship, you headed over to the Ivy League championships. and So tell us about how Penn-Harvard went down. I mean, the palestra. I mean, as much as Cameron's awesome, the palestra is just amazing. And it's a day game, and the sun's coming in through the the, the, the ceiling that has the the tinted glass. And to start the game, they had an opera singer pl- sing the national anthem. Oh and God. I felt like I was back in, I don't know, uh, Lewis smelling. Like, at a, it, was like <laughs> it, was, it lasted forever, and it was and those teams played hard. Remember, this is it. The winner goes into the tournament. There was no, like, we're going to get up in maybe as an at-large. It was winner-take-all, and they both teams they tied for the regular season title and they played great it was an amazing game Penn was down 15-16 points came back Harvard was down 10 points they came back it was just a tremendous game and Penn ended up you know ended up winning um, at, and it's a little the, the, the controversy was because they're playing you have to play the tournament at Penn even though Harvard quote won the regular season title mm. so it was the, only the second year the, the Ivy team Ivy's had had uh, conference tournaments 
Very, so. very interesting stuff. We've got about six minutes till we get on with uh, Mike Isolino from Robert Morris. You want to just hop into golf quick, and we'll, we'll knock yes. Tiger Woods out. We'll get to football later. Okay. I love to play golf on the weekends. This weekend, couldn't do it. Because after how good Tiger played on Thursday and Friday, I knew where I was going to be on Saturday and Sunday. And I don't wake up before 10, so I wasn't going to be able to. There's no 7 a.m. round for me. Um, glued to the TV. I, I'm watching with a buddy. He doesn't watch golf, doesn't play golf. He's like, are we really going to watch this? Three, 30 seconds later, he's at the edge of his seat watching Tiger Woods. This is what Tiger Woods does. Didn't win yesterday, but it was amazing. What, what, I, I, did you I get to watch any of this? Well... I came back from the Ivy League championship game in Philadelphia on the train, and I would text the my iPad. Thank goodness you can watch NBC on the <laughs> iPad. So I am. That was for a two-hour train ride back. I'm watching, and other people on the train kept coming up to me, like looking, wanting to, know. Wanting to follow what was happening. Like this is breaking news, Tiger Woods. <laughs> I mean, everyone was coming up, looking at my iPad, following the iPad. I get off at the at, 30, at the Penn Station, and I'm standing there for when I saw the the putt, the 40 oh, foot putt on God. 17. Oh my God. God. And I'm standing there with the iPad, <laughs> oh and people God. at Penn Station, I'm at Penn Station, are gathering around me, looking at my iPad. <laughs> yeah. And New York's of not course. a friendly city like no. that either. This is the <laughs> Valspar Championship. This is not the end of the World yeah. Series, Super Bowl. I mean, this is the Valspar Championship, and people knew what was going on. People who didn't even follow golf, everyone was, like, I'm standing there, and I, there was, like, 20 people all around, like, looking around to my iPad, trying to see what was going you know, happening. It, it was absolutely amazing. That putt. There was something he addressed the ball, and I just like this is going in. Yeah, I just I, yeah. it's forty four feet away, a three percent make percentage. I knew in my head that was going in. Next hole, uh, he didn't birdie eighteen all weekend, and that was a little you know I see three pars now he's got a birdie just a tie, um, Casey. So I wasn't super confident, and he still had a shot at it. I mean, it wasn't an easy putt, but but he still had a shot at the end, Ira, and that was just amazing. It was fun. I liked it because Patrick Reed. Um, if anyone follows Cuff knows that Patrick Reed him. has been wearing red and black. Yeah. For forever, and I don't think I think he's never said anything like I want to. I'm the next Tiger, but he just wears it, and it's sort of like funny that he was in trying. He was on the tie for the lead, yeah. so he goes to 18 with a chance to take the lead and win the tournament. And he had played well, and I, I he enjoyed. He embraced. He does well in the Ryder Cup, so he enjoys the pressure and all the yeah. commotion that goes on. Like Seneca, Seneca did well. You know, like mm. some of these people until Sunday, until Sunday, who who they play <coughs> with Tiger, they can understand. Other people just wilt, as we've talked about this the last couple. Thirteen of weeks. rounds, Seneca's played the Tiger. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's crazy. And uh, but Pat, but Reed so Reed has had like a twenty foot putt. He puts it up the hill, and it's almost like a miniature golf, like where you hit it and it comes back to you. <laughs> yes, so that, was, that he, was funny. He putted the ball, and here's the, one of the top golfers in the world, and it came back on the hill. It came back to him. So then he bogeyed it, so he didn't have a chance yeah. to win the tournament. Yeah. And Tiger was left with a chance to win. I had to explain that to my buddy because, like I said, he's not a golfer. Like Patrick Reed just did that shot because Tiger Woods just it just hit that putt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, it's in he's affecting other golfers that are playing different holes. <laughs> Once you get rumor, oh man, do you hear what Tiger just did? Yeah. That's in your head now. And it, it, one of the, my favorite things about golf is how he, it humanizes these guys so much. He was waving the putt back. Yeah. Just like I would yeah. do. And that yeah. happens like, to me right, three times on. around. Yeah, come on. Get, get, get back down here. I'll whack you again. You got to hit it, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, what was your takeaway from Tiger's amazing weekend? It's, it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting. I love watching golf over the, the weekend. And to go out, I was actually downtown Delray, um, and it was on. And I mean, everybody at the bar was engaged. We were all watching Tiger. I mean, he hit that putt, and I thought a volcano was going to go off. I really <laughs> did. I mean, like, it was so explosive. This, the, It's like the roof almost came off. Um, and and I've, I've been saying it. He is going to win a major this year. 
I mean, it's just it's it's it, and it's exciting for golf fans too. There was a, a thing that came out. Um, Highest ratings for a non-major in the past five years. I was going to ask you if anybody had the ratings. It must it's, have been it, through the roof. It, it got a, an eleven. That's amazing. Eleven yesterday was an eleven. I mean, golf has been dying because Tiger hasn't been Tiger, and it's like fun to have it back. And I, what is he? Forty-two years old. I mean, and and he look. I mean, he looks. He looks phenomenal. ten years younger than he did two I mean, years he looks ago. Phenomenal. <laughs> He's back. Like when you said, Mike, it's this guy's. You know, you know, putting for you know forty-four feet out. And there was no doubt in anybody's mind that that wasn't dropping. It was amazing. And just, I, I mean, it's, uh, it's, I, I'm a little lost for words. I mean, yesterday was so exciting. And to be in a, at, you know, a sports bar, to watch that with sports fans that may not be golf fans. I mean, no one's watching Everyone was a, a golf fan ago. yesterday. Everybody, well, they weren't golf fans. They were Tiger, Tiger Woods, Woods fans. fans. Well, you know, people people were making fun of me because I walked 140. <laughs> I walked 144 holes with Tiger over the two weeks. So everyone's like, "You're following Ray Floyd. You're following a has been. Are you going on the senior tour?" And they just make fun of him. They're, everyone's like, "On." I said, "No, this guy has it. He's coming back." Oh. I've been saying this for the moment I was at the Genesis in uh, in Riviera, and you know, Crazy. this week. There was a stat. The, the most amazing thing is everyone saw how hard he was hitting the ball. But oh, there yeah. was a stat. He had a, he hit a shot he, uh, on the par 5 14th on Saturday at 129 miles per hour. It's the fastest swing recorded in the BJ Tour this year. Yeah. <laughs> so for a guy with back fusion, now has the highest, hardest swing in the whole tour. Uh, you know, I saw the swing, and it's so amazing how seamless it looks. There's yeah. guys that swing harder, not faster. You, you know, He's swinging 129 miles an hour, so I'm sitting there watching this five times. Like, it doesn't look that fast. No. He's 20 miles an hour faster than the average pro golfer at 129. It just doesn't look that way. You want to hear an interesting stat? Uh, what's it called? Copperhead, the, the, their, their version of the bear trap, their three hardest yeah, holes. Yeah. Only player in the field to be under par on it this weekend. The <laughs> only one. One golfer was under par on it. Tiger Woods. He's the best player in the world, and he's the best player ever. I mean, that that's what we're getting back. I mean, think of what he's done in the past, you know, two two tournaments has been in. I mean, it's amazing, and it is. It's just so exciting to have him back doing what he does because it gets everybody engaged. Well, the next Kings were supposed to be Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy. Yeah. They was ironic. They're in the tournament. Don't make the cut. And yeah, I yeah. love this stat. Jordan Spieth is 24 years old. Tiger's 42. <laughs> And Jordan Spieth missed a cut. That was his 19th missed cut as a pro. And he's just 24 years old. Yeah. Tiger, his entire life, has missed 17 cuts. 17. <laughs> and he's 42 and played a lot longer than Jordan yeah. did. And just shows you the absolute dumbness of everyone's anointing Jordan as the next Tiger. He was never going to be the next Tiger. No, and no. Rory was never going to be the next Tiger. And now what's exciting is you know Dustin Johnson and Jason Day, they've all been avoiding Tiger. Well, they're going to play this week, and then they're going to go play in Astros. So. So yeah, and that's and that's what it comes down to. And, and, and me and Mike talked about it, you know, leading up to the Honda, where it was kind of, it, it's when you take a step back and you look and you have all these number ones, and you just went over the list. It's like they stay on top for like six months to a year, and then it's not to say you don't hear about them. I mean, they're still phenomenal golfers, but when you talk about the cuts, I mean, Jordan Spieth, what, what how many did he miss? Nineteen. Tiger's only done seventeen. I mean, over the course of you know twenty it, plus years, it, it goes back to two and Ira, what, what you said about him when he made the cut at the Honda. He's got a different level of determination oh than these guys God, do. Yeah. He's a different athlete. Tiger Woods had never missed back-to-back -back cuts before, whereas you know Rory and Jordan do this three times a year. Yeah. They're not the same golfers. It, it really is truly. And they amazing. don't put. They don't. When, when when you're paired up with those guys, and I can't. You know, I'm not a pro golfer, but I, it has you're a to be. Golfer. It has to be another level of 
of fear walking the course with Tiger. I mean, it has to be. You know, we heard the Brand comments. looks so comfortable, yeah, we, but he's one of the very few. Exactly, but we heard it. We heard it the uh, the other day. Um, you know that Rory. That, that yeah. Rory's comment. I mean, so to and to even think about that, all the pressure that then goes on Tiger to be Tiger Woods, to be the face of the you know of this sport, mm -hmm. um, and and all the pressures that come from all the endorsements and all that stuff. I mean, the guy was making eighty million dollars a year, not even playing golf. I mean, just so so just all the amount of pressure and for him to handle it the way that he has, um, he went through everything that he did, and for him to be back, I mean, it's just a testament to that goat. Determination, the greatest of all time. And Sean, I got to hand it to you. You talked about you think that there'd be a promising future for Sam Burns. Played great again. Yeah, over the ah, weekend. Yeah. So it was nice seeing him. He was happy to be like two, three uh, groups behind <laughs> yeah, Tiger, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or in front of Tiger, I should say. But uh, played great as well. Seven thirty-two. It's Ira on Sports ninety-five-nine. The True Oldies Channel. Mike and Sean here as well. Time to bring in our good buddy Mike Isolino, coach at Robert Morris. Mike, this is really becoming a Monday night habit for you, isn't it? And I'm sure you enjoy it. Uh, that's okay. I enjoy being on, and it's great to be here again. So much NCAA basketball to talk about. Uh, did you guys hear the stats that, that the uh, most popular day of the year for vasectomies is this Wednesday? <laughs> what? God, the most. This is true. <laughs> the most popular day of the year to get a vasectomy is the Wednesday before the, the uh, NCAA tournament because the guys know they got to sit down for three days after. <laughs> Take off work, sit on no. the couch. <laughs> Mike, Mike, do you think that the committee got the top four seeds right? Uh, we're talking Virginia, Xavier, Kansas, Nova. You think they nailed it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're real close. I think, obviously, Virginia's had a phenomenal year, and uh, winning the ACC, they're definitely probably the top overall seed. <laughs> obviously, Villanova has been strong all year, and, um, you know, the odds-on favorite right now to, to, to win the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, I'm sure people could question Xavier either way, um, you know, but they had a really strong year and, and a strong conference. So, I mean... Uh, I think the committee got it really close, if not not right on. Mikey, who's your biggest uh, who's your biggest tourney snub? Um, oh boy, uh, biggest snub, um, may, maybe USC. Yeah, um, is, is definitely one of them because you know usually usually power the power five conferences don't get snubbed. Um, you know you can understand, uh, you know. Not understand, but you can see how St. Mary's, who was a top 20 team just, what, a week ago, uh, and all of a sudden now they're out. Uh, you know, St. Mary's and Middle Tennessee State, those schools are mid-majors, and mid-majors have traditionally had, uh, um, you know, the history of being snubbed. But usually the bigger conferences don't. And, and I think USC had a had a solid year and 20-some wins in the, con you know, overall. And, um you know, strength of schedule was really good. So overall, I would have to say they'd have probably the biggest snub of all. I wrote about you. Who's, who do you think is your biggest snub uh, coming into the uh, NCAA tournament? Uh, yeah, I, we talked before. I think St. Mary's. I think that was the biggest yeah. snub. I, 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 there has to be a point where you win games and you get in. And uh, <laughs> I just, I, you know, they, they had, I thought they, you know, they certainly were, you know, top 20 team. People thought they were, they, well, and I, I just... Again, some of these teams, like they put Syracuse in, it's a 500 team. Yeah. And uh, I felt like, I think Syracuse was put in just for TV. They wanted a New York market. They wanted all the advertisers and all the agencies that are there in New York. And they didn't have Connecticut and they don't have other teams. They have no Rutgers. And they just wanted a New York team in there for the tournament. That, that, you know, I mean, it's, it's sad that that's how it is, but you're probably correct on that. Sean, snub for you? Uh, just for sake of all right, I, I do agree with St. Mary's and USC is a great pick too. But, you know, I'll go with the Baylor Bears. Just beat Oklahoma and Oklahoma gets in. You yeah. know, Oklahoma had some big wins in the beginning of the year, but – 
to lose what eight of the last nine, eleven of the last fifteen, um, and that that Baylor game. I mean that. I mean those two teams were playing to get in, and and Baylor won that game. So for Baylor not to be in. Um, you know, I, I thought that was definitely a snub and, and to see an Oklahoma get him. Mike Isolino's on the line with us, coach at Robert Morris. This is Ira on Sports 95.9, the True Oldies Channel. It's 7.35. Mike, I love that you give us real answers. You know, usually people in the in the sport are always, you know, they just Bill Belichick you to death. You give us real answers. So who got in that shouldn't have, Mike? I'm sorry. I didn't hear the question. Who, 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 do, you, who do you think got in the tournament that shouldn't have? Um, Who shouldn't have gotten a tournament? Uh, you know, I, th- I think the Syracuse pick would be, you know, yeah. really questionable. Um, you know, no question about that. That would probably be the number one. Um, you know, but it's hard because, you, you know, you only have 60, 68 teams um, and, and so many automatic bids. Um, some teams are going to get, you know, left out or some teams are going to get in that, um, you know, there's always going to be debate about it. I think that's what makes the NCAA tournament, um, you know, so great is is, is all, all the debate that happens before the tournament but then you know when the tournament starts it all ends up playing out um you know there, there's people the best teams always come to the forefront there's always been one or two teams people say oh they should have never got in they should have never got in i remember a while ago george mason should have never got in got to the final yeah, four vcu yeah. should have never got in got to the final four and, and and i think that's what attracts people to to the NCAA tournament, you know, the, the upsets, the Cinderella's, the, the debate about who should have got in, who shouldn't have got in. I think that's what people, you know, gravitate to and what makes it a great, great event. You know, Mike, it's, it, it's, I'm such an old man that when people say 68 teams in the tournament, I just get mad. I want to, I want them to kick them off my lawn. It's supposed to be 64. Just, it completely goes against, uh, you know, how I, how I feel about it. Ira, what about you? Um, you know, besides Syracuse, another team you think that probably shouldn't have been in here? Arizona State, I thought they yeah. were gotten. I, I mean, again, I think what some of they did was that you look at teams like USC, Louisville, Oklahoma State, those three teams uh, didn't get in because they had the FBI probe. There were some other issues. Mm-hmm. I think they said, you know what? We know we have to put Arizona in, even though they moved Arizona as a four seed out of the West, which I think people, a lot of people thought they were going to be in the West. So now there's really no big draws for the West for the West Regional. Um, but I thought Arizona State, uh, USC finished second in their conference. The USC was, was in the ch- conference championship game, yet uh, uh, Arizona Arizona State gets in over them. So. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's definitely weird. Shoney, what about you? Someone that shouldn't have got in. Uh, I mean, it's just Syracuse is just it's it just two and yeah, it just it just jumps off, um, you know, right at you. Um, I guess uh, I, I don't know Nevada. I, I, at this point, I think it's I think it's there, but I think when you look at some of the seeding, like a team like Nevada to land a seven seed, um, you know, I think Florida State even getting in towards the end of the year, they haven't played so well. I know they finished twenty and eleven, but um, you know, lost their only ACC game to to uh, Louisville, um, but just towards the end of the year, just really looking dicey on paper. So I was kind of surprised they got in and especially got in at a nine seed. All right, get your brackets out. It's time to start breaking it down a little bit. In just a little while, Ira as well is going to give us his strategy for picking brackets. He says he's really good at it. We'll all throw our brackets together, see who does the best. My bracket always looks like a dyslexic kid's spelling test, just yeah. red lines, crossing out things everywhere. Um, Mike, we'll start with you. Upset time. Who do you think is going down in the first round as an upset? <laughs> uh, oh boy, I'd have to really, really dig into all the brackets. Um, you know, I haven't had time as much as I'd like to to look at them because of the recruiting calendar right now in the scholarships. Um, you know, I, it, if I'm going to call one upset, and it's probably, 
a really, really difficult one. I would say Buffalo upsets Arizona, and I don't Whoa! think that's anybody's going to call. <laughs> and 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 uh, you know, it's it's, it's kind of funny because you know I think I watched uh, that tournament, and and Aiden is is a phenomenal player, and I'm not sure Buffalo has anybody to match up to him. But I, you know, this Buffalo is a team that I've seen. Uh, you know, we played them this year. Uh, you know, when I was lived in Buffalo for two years, I've watched the program. NATO does a good job. And I think that's one that no one's calling. So I'm going to step out on the limb and call that one. How about that? <laughs> that's, Mike, that's huge. <laughs> Mike, the question I have is you, you, I like Bucknell too. And I, one of my strategies has always been I pick these teams that I think are the lower seeded teams, which ones I like. And then I look at the teams that are the top seeded teams, which I don't like. And if there's, they match, then I think that's an upset. But you, you've always been taught, you've talked, I think, in two shows about Bucknell. Of course, they got a really bad draw against Michigan State. Do you think there's a chance there? Or is that just, they just got the, they got a bad team to go against? No, I, I think there's always a chance, but I think it's a bad draw. I think Michigan State is a phenomenal team, uh, you know, really strong defensively. I think they have one of the best uh, two-point defensive field goal percentages in the country. You know, I think that's a bad draw for Bucknell. Um, you know, Tom Izzo has had, you know, a tremendous amount of success um, in the NCAA tournament, and uh, I definitely would not go against Michigan State in, in, in that first round. And one other question, Mike, you, know, you just made it a point, and I think it was, it's interesting to know, you just said you're recruiting. These teams that are in the tournament that are playing, they're actually recruiting. If you're a coach, I mean, you're working 120 hours a week probably because you're getting ready to play the most important games of your life. Plus, you're recruiting for next year and the year after that. I mean, how do you do it? I mean, do you sleep when, like, if you're in the tournament, even you're not sleeping probably now, just recruiting, but these teams are in this tournament. How are they recruiting and coaching at the same time? Well, I think that's why you have, you know, you have your staff, uh, the assistant coaches who aren't doing a scout at that time can still go out and see kids and um you know and no matter how you look at it uh you know recruiting is the lifeblood of any any program and you got to make sure you stay on top of it and you got to use the fact that you're in the NCAA tournament whatever you need to use to try to get players you, you continue to do that obviously the focus point uh, right now is obviously going to be your team and and winning a national championship or winning the first game of the tournament so that's going to be the focal point, but you still got to make sure that you're using that uh, to get recruits. So I think it's important that you, you're able to do all that job. We are speaking with Mike Isolino, coach at Robert Morris. This is Ira on Sports 95.9, the true oldies channel. Mike and Sean, it's 742. Uh, what about you guys? Any upsets that you guys have coming up uh, in the first round we should watch out for? I think, you know, I'm looking, right, and and there's two games that I think that you could see it, uh, both uh, 6-11 matchups, Loyola-Chicago versus Miami. I watched them hold Florida. I'm a Gator fan to 59 points, so mm. that defense is solid. Um, and, and, I, and I truly believe, I mean, they don't do anything great. I mean, the defense is there, uh, but they, they can consistently shoot well. Um, you know, high field goal percentage. And then I, I really like San Diego State over Houston. I mean, the two big guys that they got inside with Pope and McDaniels, um, you know, I think, I, I think they're going to seal off the paint. They play great defense. Um, and, and I like San Diego State in that game for sure. Um, Ira, anybody for you? I like the I like Loyola a yeah. lot. I think that's a good. I, I, Murray State has won thirteen in a row. Um, they only lost by Auburn by four, and they're playing West Virginia. It's a twelve-five game, so I sort of like Murray State in the South, and I do like the Loyola Miami game a lot. Loyola they be, Loyola beat Florida on the road, yep. and Miami has some injuries right now. Their Bruce Brown is hurt, so I sort of like them in that game too. Let's talk about you know we're discussing players now, so it brings me to my next question. A lot of times a team. 
gets uh, put to the back burner for a player in the tournament. Somebody just absolutely blows up and becomes the face of the tournament, or, or at least for that team. Mike, what do you think? Who's a player that could come in and just take over this tournament? Well, I mean, I think there's a, there, there's a couple of players, obviously, depending on how well Oklahoma plays. Trey Young is, yeah. a, is a player that can obviously, um, if they're going to win and they're going to advance, he's going to have huge nights. Um, you know, obviously they haven't played well and they could get knocked out in the first round. But if you're talking about a team that's, that's going to rely on one guy to advance, I would say Trey Young in Oklahoma is, is going to have to be a monster. If Oklahoma makes a Sweet 16 or a Final 8 run or whatever, he's going to have phenomenal numbers. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that would be one guy I would say if, if Oklahoma's going to advance, he would be the guy that would be the face of it. Ira, what do you think? Who's a player you could see just absolutely blowing up this tournament? Well, I think Bagley's going to blow up this tournament. Yeah. I think people are going to see Bagley's the number one pick in the draft, and I think he's. I think I think people when they see Duke and they're going to sit down and watch a game from beginning to end, and Duke's going to be there, and it's going to be this big game. I think you're going to see Bagley do 35 points and 18 rebounds and shoot threes, and they're Whoa. like, and they're like, holy, he's amazing. I mean, he, that's is. A, he has every he, is he has every tool in his toolbox. He's yeah. amazing, and he runs the floor. He plays hard. Um, I think they're going to see. You bring it. up a good point, though. This is fighting for draft stock for some of these guys. Oh, of course, I mean, yeah. he, he could be the first pick it could be the fifth pick depending on how this goes yeah. you know f- over the next couple of weeks and I you said you know watching them uh you know from start to finish i'm sure you want to see them start to finish six times right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um sean what about you who's a player that could take this over well he just took over the pac-12 uh i mean yeah the pa- the, the, the pac-12 championship uh tournament uh and that's deandre ayton ayton and i mean what was he tw- 28 and 13 i think he averaged so it's you know he's a guy that everybody knows you know potential number one pick but i mean he absolutely dominated that tournament and i think arizona does make a run but i'll give you one other person okay colin sexton alabama i i don't think they're gonna beat villanova but they're gonna give Villanova run for their money because I think that kid's special. It's going to be interesting to see as we get all this uh, kicked off a little bit later in the week. Mike, before I let you go, we've been putting you on the spot all night. We'll keep it going. Who's your final four, man? Who are you taking? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I think Villanova's going to get there. They, yeah. they, they've had a great year and they're going to continue to, to move forward. Um, you know, uh, I think Virginia, this is the year that they finally get over the hump uh, with uh, Tony Bennett. And, and they get there. Um, now it gets a little more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't think you can always pick all the uh, the top seeds. Um, Very rarely here. Yeah, because they they always uh, you know there's always upsets in, in that. Um, you know, Arizona has a great chance, even though I still think they're going to get beat in the first round. <laughs> 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 That's going to be wait, the wait, And I want to add something. Mike, you, you, it, Mike, not only is a coach, Rob Morris was a superstar basketball player in college and, and went to the NCAA tournament and almost himself beat Arizona. So if you really? want to tell Yeah, I mean, how many points you lost to Arizona that year by, what, like six points? Or how close was that game? No, it, yeah, I think it was a little more than that. <laughs> they had a pretty good team. But when St. Francis, uh, Pennsylvania plays Arizona mm. and almost beats them that's pretty impressive and that was so. when arizona was arizona right <laughs> yes. i mean yeah, they Lute were olson everything yeah. sean elliott those teams those players yeah. uh, mike is from robert morris i want to thank you uh, so much for popping by as always you're always welcome on iron sports all right thank you take care guys thanks coach all right guys i, I want your final four now um it's one time in history that the four four top seeds made it, correct? Like five years ago? Yeah. And we'd always joke about that. You know, every idiot puts all the, the top yeah. seeds in. 
And it finally did happen. It doesn't happen often. Ira, we'll start with you. Who's your final four? I wanted to throw another upset because... Uh, oh, right, go ahead. It, the playing games are weird. Yeah. Uh, I, I think people forget what, what there's six. We joked about mm-hmm. 68 teams. There's four other games, and what they do is they take the four worst teams they play, and they're never going to advance. They're the t- worst teams. But the two 11s, what they did is the teams that are the last at large, where they get bids, they win their conference, they're in. And there's been some runs. Connecticut got their run from that yeah. position, too, when they won yeah. the national title. But St. Bonaventure and UCLA, UCLA is yeah. interesting. And I like St. Bonaventure yeah, in that really? game. And I think St. Bonaventure wins that game and then beats Florida. So I think that's where that would be. You know, I, I like. Like St. Bonaventure in that, or I mean, people I saw them on a show one, and they're saying, "Well, F- UCLA wins it; they could be Florida." I think Florida is an overrated, 16. very overrated. I've watched them all year. And the <laughs> other one is the other game is Arizona Syracuse. And I think one reason what's weird about those games is that now we sit here and they hear they don't deserve to be in. Arizona State doesn't deserve to be in. Syracuse doesn't deserve to be in. UCLA doesn't. I mean, they're they're on the people are yelling now. They feel like they have something to prove. The only teams in the tournament that really are like you don't beat you don't deserve to be in there, but then they play extra hard to show everybody that I do deserve. Yeah. And then they're going like they've already got their feet wet so the team that wins that game say it's a Tuesday they're coming back on Thursday to play they're already in the tournament they've already had that advantage and that's why they can jump on if they're playing on Thursday at like 12 o'clock they've already had that one that feel of that NCAA tournament yeah, feeling yeah. at Dayton so there is a chance I, I do like and some. where and where people are watching that game I mean it's the, at those playing games I mean those are the only things that are on it's not mm-hmm. like you know you go to the you, you're at the bar and there's 10 games on right now you know it's it's that's the game you're watching mm-hmm. and everybody's watching it yeah. so it's going to be uh, interesting to see, but do you want to get your, throw your final four out? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I, I can't. You know, it's. I think it, the the I like zone over Virginia. I, I think it, I, I think it's. I think it's going to be really Me tight. Too. But I, the the game I can't decide is between. And I think the big game of the tournament is Wichita State and Villanova. I think if Wichita State beats Villanova, then they go. I think they're a senior dominated team. They've been there. They've experienced. But so is Nova. I mean, they're both very. That's a game to watch. I mean, Wichita State seems to have all these draws. The one year they had to play Kentucky in like the in the second round when they had this great team. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then I like Duke. Duke beating Kansas. And I like on the bottom draft. I'm not an Xavier fan. I think Gonzaga beats them. I think UNC beats them. So I think it's Zona UNC and Wichita State Duke and. I love to see it. It'd be great to have. We just talked about the rivalry, Duke UNC again oh for the goodness. national championship. <laughs> I mean, that's like everybody's goal is to yeah. have those two teams meet, but yeah. that would be fun. Sean, what's your final four? Well, I agree wholeheartedly in Virginia. I think it ends at some point because there's just not enough offense. I mean, it's just, it's not there. I, I know the defense is fantastic, but, you know, if a team gets hot and, and you know, you, you need to be able to score points. And I like Arizona coming out of the South. Um, I agree with that Wichita Villanova game. I mean, that's going to be a great game. Uh, but I do, I, I think Villanova is too strong. So I'll, I'll take Villanova in the East. I, how Kansas is the ninth ranked team in the AP and ends up a number one seed? Uh, I know the coaches, Paul, I think they had them three or four, but I, I just don't think Kansas is, is Kansas this year. Mm-hmm. You know, and for them to get the one seed over Duke, I can only imagine when, when Ira saw that, he was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll take Duke there. Um, and the hottest team in the country right now, that's the Michigan Wolverines. I, I think I do think Xavier gets there because uh, I don't think Gonzaga is Gonzaga this year. So I think their path is a little bit easier. Um, you know, out, you know, I think I think it'll come down to Xavier Gonzaga. I think Xavier wins, 
And then I think it's Michigan UNC, and I think Michigan comes out on top. I mean, they've they've played absolutely unbe- unbelievable, and you want to be hot coming into this tournament. And to end your last two games are beating Michigan State and beating Purdue, Purdue, two top ten teams. Um, you know, I just think Michigan's confidence right now is is absolutely through the roof. So um, th- those are my four teams. We're very similar. I've got I do have Virginia advancing, um, but I've also I'm taking uh, Nova, Duke, and Michigan to round out my round out my final four. I have Duke winning it for you, Ira. So get excited. I don't think I've ever hit one of these in my life. <laughs> Just throwing, throwing that out there. Iron Sports 751. Mike and Sean here as well. This is 95.9, the true oldies channel. We had like seven hours worth of football to talk about, and we're going to have to try to condense this down into just like five minutes. Crazy weekend. Ira, what's your biggest, what's your biggest, uh, what's the word for it, move of, of the past week? I don't. You know what? The move. The move is the land. Is Landry and Taylor going to Cleveland? Cle- all Cleveland's moves combined, yeah, yeah. and everyone's excited about them. And I think the move is that I'm not as excited as I think they didn't give up their big draft. They're doing pick. something. They're it, doing something. I think they're stopgap measures. I think they don't want to be 0 and 16 next year. I don't. People are like they got Tyrod Taylor. Well, Tyrod Taylor. Didn't score any points against Jacksonville. Like Tyra Taylor is not an elite quarterback. I mean, he's no. nice, and and it's not. And they're they're going to draft a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. So that it's not like oh now they're definitely drafting Barkley. I don't think that means they're drafting. I think Barkley. I think it does. You, well, no, no, it, I mean that Barkley opinion. is one. I mean that this. Ty, the, the Tyrod Taylor move is the biggest one, and I'm going to tell you why. Tyrod Taylor going there is now the bridge quarterback. So the first pick is, is Barkley, okay? Stay super competitive. Get a quarterback that can be manageable, that can go out and win you games. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tyrod Taylor can win games. I mean, he took the bills. He got benched for a guy <laughs> that threw six picks in five minutes, comes <laughs> back, guesses. almost wins that game, and, and you know, and takes the bills to the playoffs, and he's played very well. I mean, it's not Tyrod Taylor's fault. Is he, is he a franchise quarterback? No, but this is what this move does, all right? Why? Do quarterbacks not work in Cleveland? Because they have to come in as rookies and be the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. You take a guy like Darnold, right? Or you take a guy like Josh Rosen, which I think Josh Rosen right now may be the only guy that can actually step on the field and run an NFL offense. I think everybody else can't. And I think this even lines them up for for Josh Allen, who's a guy that does need a year or two. And now you give that first-round pick two years, you know, at the most – and and uh, at the least, in my if I was coaching, put put him on the bench for two years, and now he's not thrown into the fire. Yeah. It's not even Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, the Browns have no talent. You have a kid that's a second round pick, and in my opinion, when you watch him play, you look at the numbers. Oh, he threw a lot of picks. How many drops? How many? How many? How many wrong routes? Mm-hmm. It, it, the team is managed so terribly and coached so terribly that you can't put it all on that guy. So therefore, to do that again to another, you know. In this case, you know, a, a top four pick because it's going to be one or one or four. Mm. I think it's the biggest and underrated move where everybody's looking at it as like a winning standpoint. No, it, I mean this is solely we want to draft a quarterback and we want to protect him. So the Browns, wow, finally under John Dorsey, are doing the right thing uh, uh, by making these moves. I don't necessarily think that they're even going to go with a quarterback at four. No, I they could, have to. Uh, I mean, there's. Oh, no I way. think they might trade down. I, I think no they may way. be looking to trade down, grab some more picks because I think this. I think you can still get one of those quarterbacks. At, at eight, at ten, but 11. how many quarterbacks? We have to watch how free agency plays out because how many quarterbacks? Are, you know, where do quarterbacks go? You know, the, mm. the Kirk Cousins of the world. I thought like Breeze is leaving. What happens with Case Keenum? What happens with Teddy yeah. Bridgewater? It'll make a big difference. But that's the point. Is that you, you? I've even seen where they were trading up from four to three or four to two. Yeah, that's to, all the to, to get it. You know, to, to get someone's the quarterback looking for Indies number. So there is no way sure. the Giants should trade down out at this point too. Yeah, they're fools to, to stick with that. Why not? If they stay in the top ten, they could still get a quarterback. Ira, um, you know I was never a Jarvis Landry fan. 
I just, I mean, um, he yeah. hates Jarvis Landry. I, I just, I, I, I don't like guys that talk a lot. I, I don't like Odell Beckham. I'm a Giants fan. I don't want him on the team anymore. Um, you think that there was a little spiteful on Miami's part? This guy's been really just shaking stuff up in the front office for since he since he signed his contract. You think there was spiteful sending him to Cleveland or just a business move? Well, look at JHI last year, and now yep, and now Landry. Yeah, I, I mean, if you, I think if you're talking in my, <laughs> you're going to be out. I mean, they started, they traded JHI, and it was not even a talk they were going to. He was their only guy carrying the ball, and they're yeah. like, we're going to go, we're just trading you right now. And only I, I player think, ever to have two back-to-back 200-yard games <laughs> next season. Bye. <laughs> and I, I think, I think that they were. I just I agree. I just that they they're done with it. They're trying to change. And now the Sioux, we're going to get into the point about Adamic Sioux. Uh, they are trying to change that culture. Yeah, uh, the culture, the image, the and we talked about with Coach Dunphy, the me too, the the, the me not me too in terms of whatever, but yeah. the me only, only yeah. me. You yeah. know, the, the me first. However, me we me, me me me. Yeah, and I think we're trying to. They're trying. They're trying to get a team oriented culture in that. And yeah. I think that's. And I think if you're not going to you're not going to be a part of that team and not have that attitude. I, they're going to trade you somewhere. And it's crazy because it's even like players like that. I, and if you look at Landry's numbers, I mean, the guy performs. I mean, we cannot. He's not a bad player. I mean, and he's not really had a he, quarterback. He, exactly. I know. But, but he's perfect for the team. If he was on the Patriots, he'd be, he'd be, he a pro, he'd be an all pro. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. But that's what he is. He's a slot guy that catches a lot of balls and a lot of first downs. Um, not a big red zone target, but. It's crazy where we talk about this, where we're like, oh, the, the culture in Miami. I mean, you could even go back to the incognito, you know, and, and, and even that and how Pouncey, you know, came out and stuck up for the, like, Aaron Hernandez. It just seems like it's like, how did you collect this collection of attitudes? Bringing in Indomitian and Sewers was the first and, move and towards for, this. Yeah, and for, like, a team that has never won anything. You know, like... It, a lot it of just, swagger. That's not what much I mean. Results. It's just like, it doesn't make sense. It's like, you haven't even earned anything, and yet, all this attitude and this divaness and da-da-da, and it's, it's really nice to see, you know, where, where kind of the ownership group pushes back and said, no, I mean, the, the, we're, we're, we're the bosses here. Get mm-hmm. out. We don't need you. We don't need you. They pulled a Belichick. Ask for a raise. You're going to Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, that's how we roll in New England. And maybe it's uh, rubbing off on the rest of the AFC East. So, Ira, you do think, or you still think Cleveland's taking a quarterback number one? Because I think me and Sean are in the camp that this move was strictly for Barkley. Yeah. No, I think they're still taking number one. I, I think, I think th- you know, I, there's so much debate. It's fun listening to other sports, you know, sports radio, because everyone, this is a great topic. This is going to be a great draft. This too, is going to be, I, I mean, the day of the draft, that Thursday night, that first hour is must, must see. Oh, if insane. you're an NFL fan, you have got to be I didn't watching know you got, I love the draft. I didn't know other people did. The draft is, I, I take the whole weekend off. Yeah. You know? well, I've I, mean, I got to see it all. This is in New York, so I've been to the draft about seven times. It's fun to go, I mean, the, you know, the latter rounds are boring, but the yeah. first round, and it's always exciting because it's like the end of the game is at the beginning. That's the mm, most yeah. exciting yeah. <laughs> the first pick. Yeah, you don't point. want to miss it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to the draft. I'll be about 15, 20 minutes late. No, you want to be there when the and, first player is taken. Yeah, and this year will be extra special, too, because it's in Dallas. So when Roger Goodell <laughs> walks up and all those fans are there, and, uh, you know, with everything that would happen with Zeke and the, and the money coming out, I mean, it, where you're saying must-see TV, Ira, I mean, it's it's going to be fireworks there. Well, the question is, are you are, is it a fantasy draft in terms of, okay, I'm happy with Josh Allen, I'm happy with Josh Rosen, and I'm happy with Sam Darnell, Baker Mayfield. If you have a court, it, it, it would be on your board if there's a if there's one that stands out over the others. Now, if you have four people that are tied, I mean, it's just it is to be able to say, oh, you don't can't treat it like a fantasy, but you almost could because if you are, if they're all tied with yeah. you, and then some of these draft rooms, 
it's not like unanimity. They all you oh, have like you know one scout, this scout says, wants that. This, this scout, offensive coach coordinator wants this. wants this. Head coach wants that. So so it, it, they're yeah. Offensive coordinator wants receivers and running backs. Yeah, yeah. Don't be drafting safeties. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? But but that so I I think that really I think the Browns need if they if they're if they are set on one of these guys they're going to draft them and I yeah. think they're going to draft them and maybe move up to get Barkley if they want Barkley but they definitely need a running back. But I think the quarterback is they've had so much. Uh, problems at the quarterback position for so long. I Ever. think they have to get it right. And yeah, and especially too, where and Ira brings up a good point. It kind of just dawned on me. No one's trading up to get Barkley inside that top four. So if the Browns go one, who's and if the Giants? I mean, I I don't think the Giants can take Barkley. I mean, I, I when are the Giants ever going to be in a top five spot again? You know, I think Not you have often. to take the quarterback there. There's no way I see Indianapolis taking him. I, they have they have to take. Chubb. They're taking Chubb. But yeah. who's trading up? A few picks to draft a running Denver, back. Denver, no, no, of a running back, no. That's what yeah, I, mean. I just, I just so don't see it happening. He's going to fall to so where the, he's going to fall. That's what I mean. Yeah. So the smart play could be, yeah, take the quarterback one, and Barkley goes four. I mean, I think it's if, if Barkley's your guy, you can't risk. Indy hasn't had a running back since Edger and James. Yeah. Giants haven't had a running back since Tiki Barber. So it's not like completely out of the realm for one of these two teams to do it. I do think the Indy pick is going to be highly coveted. I think someone's going to be trying to trade up to that to grab the quarterback or the Giants. You know, or, or the Giants. Either way, someone's going to want because you know Indy doesn't need a quarterback. Or technically, doesn't need a quarterback. So I think that's going to be the the um, the interesting trade ship that we see throughout the weekend. We're a little bit over, but that's okay, guys. Um, <laughs> Indama can sue. Uh, set to be cut by Miami. They say 4 p.m. Wednesday, as soon as it's allowed. <laughs> Dominic and Sue's getting the hammer. I think this is a smart move, Ira. Um, yeah, their defense hasn't been great. And 29th ranked against the run two years ago. <laughs> and they're paying him a lot of money. And I know that he's an interior lineman, so you don't see, you don't expect, I was like, how many sacks does he have? Well, that's, that's not his position to get sacks. Aaron Donald had 11. But <laughs> but he hasn't been, but, but, but he has to stop the run. And when you can't stop yeah. the run, your defense is, you're not going to blame one person. But... Man, when in college, I thought he should have won on the Heisman Trophy. So did when I. He was, at Nebraska, he, was, he was unbelievable at Nebraska. I mean, he stopped run and pass. I mean, he was he was just blowing up offensive lines. Was he number two overall or three? No, he went. Uh, what did he go? He went. I thought he went one. No, I think he's the second. And McCoy, he could have been. I think he was. I think you're right. I think he's a QB second in pick. And McCoy and McCoy was the third pick. Okay, sounds. Sound Gerald right. McCoy went uh, went three. But uh, look, they're paying him a lot of money. They want to use this money. They, that's what they're making decisions. They don't want to pay Ajay money. They don't want to pay Landry money. They don't want to. They want to spread their money around mm-hmm. to different players. And I think that's what they're looking at. I, I thought it was a terrible contract from day one. I, I, I don't think defensive tackles win you Super Bowls. And no. I think tying up twenty percent of your payroll on one of those guys, it's, it's great to have Aaron Donald. It's great to have Indomik and Sue. I don't want to waste that much money. Sean, what do you think about this move? No, I think it's a smart move. I think it's all culture. I know you saw that with the Landry trade. You're getting rid of a guy that, since he's come into the league, you know, was you know has the most receptions. Even even before this year started, he was tied with you know Odell uh, Beckham mm-hmm. Jr. So I mean, the guy's a baller, but. You know, yet again, am I going to pay a guy that has an attitude problem, the type of money mm. that he can actually command? You know, in 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 free agency. Um, you know, with Sue, it's sad because when you when you looked at it on paper, you're like, okay, we got Sue, you got Cameron Wake. Um, you know, uh, who was who's uh, Vernon was on the other mm-hmm. side. I mean, that that D line was like scary. Oh my god! I mean, on paper, I mean, they they looked mm. really really good. Um, and they performed that first year pretty well. Uh, that's when you know Vernon got all his money from yeah. the Giants that that following year. So. And it obviously helps when you got to double the middle, and now he's mm-hmm. flying around by himself. Um, I do think some of the production too, where you bring up the run, 
you know, I mean, I, Kiko Kiko Alonso is your middle linebacker. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Miami's uh, the Dolphins uh, the linebackers. Not good either. I, exactly, and you gotta, I mean, you gotta you gotta step up and hit somebody. So um, I don't put all that on Sue, but that's what it is. Aging guy, declining numbers with an inflated contract. Smart business. My analogy is, you don't need a twenty million dollar elite closer when you win sixty games a year. Exactly. It, it just it, it's wasted money, and this team is not one piece away. They're not a nose tackle away no. from the Super Bowl. No. So why is locking up? A, you know, $30 million or whatever it was going to be going forward. Just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, before we wrap it up, bold prediction in just a second. But speaking of jerks, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, I'm a Giants fan. Um, guy gets caught with what appears to be a marijuana blunt in his hand. He's being videotaped in a hotel room or somewhere. In Paris. In Paris with France. a woman um, who looks like she's doing cocaine next to him. What is this guy doing? Ira, <laughs> I, I, I hate the guy. I really do. What would you do if you're the Giants? You know, the funny thing about Odell Beckham, I was out at a club in New York one time and he was there. He was, it was, we're getting pizza. It wasn't a club. Is that where all the clubs are? It was like four <laughs> in the morning and he was getting pizza right there and people were trying to come up, take pictures. And he was very nervous about that. Like people were coming up. He's like, no, 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 no. And like, at one point he knocked the phone out of a guy's hand that was taking really? his picture and he was just at a pizza place. Yeah. So I, I was like, he, I thought he'd be the last person to actually get a picture like that taken because I, I remember him at the pizza place, like just pushing the phone away. He's not in tall as person as you think. He is. He's I mean, like five, five, it's like five. Yeah, nine, he's five a real. Nine, he there were he was not the dudes, but I was just amazed at how he was just you know pushed people's phones away. But I'm pretty stupid to get caught with a picture. What like would that. you do though? If you're the, this guy wants a lot of money. He wants to be paid, paid the highest money in the league as far as receivers go. They, the Giants just have to pay him more than anyone else. No, is he wants pay to be him. the highest paid player in the league. I'm sure not he even does. Receiver. I'm sure he's, he does. And that's what he's come out and said. I would let him walk. No, I, I think I, I would try to. Tra- I'd, be, I'd try to trade him right now for a draft pick if, yeah. if it was an option. I'd send him to Cleveland right now for the number four pick. <laughs> yeah. Give them, have them, let them have uh, Josh Gordon, Beckham, and, and Jones. I mean um, Landry. Uh, Sean, what about you? What would you do if you're the Giants? And you're, to preface this, he's a Cowboys fan, so don't say like you know sell the team. I mean, well, we'll take him. I mean, <laughs> Move have, the team to we, London. We have no, no, but I mean, I I honestly do. I mean, that that's going to be my bold prediction. I think. I think the Giants are done with them. I think what the Giants are going to do, they're going to look at their roster and they're going to understand that hey, we have we had a good defense, but we took real big steps back. We saw DR, um, we see uh, DRC just got released. Yeah, he's going to be released. And I think Eli Apple at this point is done. So what's wrong with the Giants team? It's culture there. It's mm-hmm. all these players with these horrible attitudes. You know, even Jason Pierre-Paul off the field and what he's gone through. I thought DRC has always been a problem. Um, Jenkins is a character guy. Uh, Eli Apple. Um, obviously, I mean, that was a disaster this year. I think the Giants decide in this next week to blow it up. And at this point, you're not going to pay him. The Giants aren't going to pay him that money. The Giants don't pay that type of money, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So trade him. I I really think that that's what it's going to come down to because they are absolutely sick and tired of his antics. And now this is just – now this is a whole nother level because it was never off the field stuff. Mm -hmm. It was the boat trip, but, I mean, that's – what were they doing? It it was punching, kicking nets. Exactly. He was doing stuff on the field. Now that it's off the field – you can't have problems on the field and off the field at the same time, and not for a team and an organization like the Giants, who are known to be one of the class acts in this league. I, I think they're done. I think they're done. Ira, so that's basically Sean's bold prediction. What, what about you? Something that it's an, outs- an outside chance of happening over the course of the next week, but it could, and we'd all be surprised if it did. Well, I'll make it local. Um, one of the things is percentages in terms of teams upsetting in the NCAA. 
anyone who writes the brackets puts 13, 14, 15, 16 seeds, it's like a, you know, they have like a 15 to 20% chance. I mean, not it's 132 to nothing that the 16 seed has always beat the one seed. But with the 10 and 11 and 12 seeds, it's only 60%. Mm-hmm. So those are where you're going to find your upset. And I think that I said earlier, the upset is Loyola over Miami. I think that I think my this my team is going to lose that first round. Yeah. And uh, um, and you know, and a team that when the year started was very well. I mean, what, they were ranked in the top ten. Yeah. So yeah. they, yeah. Uh, I think they're going to get knocked out. That would be my. Are right, any other quick strategies you're picking our brackets? Um, that I think the key, the hardest thing to do is if you pick those upsets in that first round and don't pick too many because that's a mistake that people make. That's always a rookie yeah. mistake. And I think it also people is they worry about the eight and nine when you know you're playing the one seed next. So don't waste your time worrying about eight or nine if you think they're going to lose. But then when you pick that upset, is that team going to go to the fi- the Sweet Sixteen? And usually they don't. don't that's no. what if you look at the Sweet Sixteen, it's not just the upsets; it's those teams. It's more chalk in that, and so be very careful. Don't say, "Oh, I like this guy upsetting," because usually when a team upsets. Oh my gosh! Like when Loyola beats Miami, the pre- it's two it's a two day turnaround. Mm-hmm. The pressure, the media, everyone's gonna talk to them yeah. more media than they've ever imagined. Especially if there's few upsets in the tournament, everyone's gonna go to them. They're not gonna be prepared. They're gonna get blown out the next game. So, but I would say that would be my strategy. But I would say Loyola over Miami. It, it, it's gonna be a very very fun week, and we are surely going to have an absolute ton of stuff to talk about uh, next week on Ira on Sports. I do want to thank Fran Dunphy of Temple for stopping by. Also, our good friend Mike Isolino, coach at. Robert Morris. Sean McGregor is on behalf as well. He's Ira, Mike Balsamo. It's Ira on Sports on 95.9, the true oldies channel.